Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow, here to tell you about my Giza Dream bed sheets. I made sure that they would be everything you'd ever want in a sheet set. I started with the world's finest cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all meet. The long staple cotton makes my Giza Dream sheets ultra soft and durable. They come with extra wide pillowcases to fit over any pillow and extra deep pockets to fit over any mattress. Not only that, they come with my 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And now you can get the best sheets ever for the best price ever. When you buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you'll get another one absolutely free. I personally guarantee that they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials for the buy one Get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All you got to do, Renegade Nation, is enter the promo code RENEGADE or call 1-800-889-6817 for these great specials. That's 1-800-889-6817. Use the promo code RENEGADE. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the program. You're invited if you want to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up anything that is on your mind and take control of the airwaves. Here tonight, it's Ian. Bonnie. And Aria. All right. So on the way here tonight, we're going to talk about the Alec Baldwin thing. I know some people have been... Uh, upset that we haven't dis- you know discussed that in any kind of detail, but apparently Arya, you do want to get into that story, so I do because we're going my take to. on it is so different from what I'm seeing from other libertarians. Yeah, I'm curious to what you're seeing. I mean, I've seen a bunch of memes about it, but that's about it so far. And some the memes of them have are been good, pretty funny. Didn't uh, he date his daughter? Isn't that worse than I? No, that was Woody someone? Harrelson, right? I don't know anything about any of that. Never mind. Um, or Woody Allen. Woody. Alan was that? Yeah, his I mixed those people together. It was technically his, not his daughter. His it was his like ex-wife's daughter. So like she was his daughter for a while. I see. And not then they his broke blood, up. Not his blood daughter. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so again, the number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Also, Bonnie, you've got a story about Americans preferring smaller government, which sounds like a study or something like that. We can talk about that uh, coming up here. But the story I wanted to lead out with here tonight is coming out of Toronto. We've uh, definitely covered all kinds of disturbing news coming from various different parts of the world with this whole COVID crackdown. It was on the weekend on our Saturday show that I read not even the entirety of a series of posts from a guy in Lithuania just describing how Lithuania is the most, at least in his opinion, the most segregated of societies regarding COVID. Everything except for the smallest of like local shops is is completely restricted to only vaccinated people. There's vaccine passports uh, that are mandatory. You have to show ID to get into every single store with a vaccine passport. And it's insane. It is absolutely insane. We didn't even get through the, the whole series of posts. You can't even order takeout. Like They won't deliver to your house unless you're vaccinated. How are they supposed to get food? Right? Yeah, you were saying that in on Lithuania? the show. The other day. Okay, I don't remember. I don't remember that part of the story. But like, uh, like we, you guys were saying, wow, that's crazy because, like, in, during COVID, at least you could like order Uber or something. Like, you can't wow. do that in Lithuania unless you're vaccinated. So, uh, according to the uh, the other part of the world here, Canada 
which is also one of the most restrictive places, at least in North America, as far as COVID restrictions uh, is concerned. There's CTV News, which is, of course, the government. I believe that is the government news there, if I recall correctly. But CTV News Toronto. Students told not to speak during lunch to reduce the spread of COVID-19. And then in this story, they have a, a photograph of this just this dystopian image. I mean, government schools were already institutionalized when we went there. Yeah, they were identical to prisons, except back then they didn't have barbed wire or razor wire fences around them. Some of them actually they do have now. That now. Yeah, but a lot of them do. When I was in high school, something Ian was like, whoa, it wasn't like that when I was in high school. Or wait, no, maybe it was my dad that I was talking to recently and he said that. Anyways... You always had to have an ID on you, like on a necklace, facing forward. And if you didn't, hmm. there was all the vice principals stood in like the hallways, like just Checking like you. cops, like mm-hmm. during uh, the you know the bell four minutes right. to get to your next class. And if you weren't wearing it, you got pulled to the side. You had to sit there, miss parts of your class, getting written up and all this stuff. Like if you're like, oh, I just don't have it, I left it. Then you had to like, I don't know how to temporary one or something. I remember it happened to me a couple of times, but yeah, you like miss parts of your class because you're not wearing your identification on Was you. Was there RFID in that badge? No. Do you know? Because that's also a thing now. That's Maybe it's a little bit uh, newer than when you were in, in school, but or maybe they just didn't buy the system for your school. They're still testing them or whatever, but they, uh, they would have these badges that you're talking about, but they'd have RFID in them, and that means that scanners would be able to pick up your location as oh, so like when you around. walked into a classroom, it would automatically scan you in as being right. present. Wow. Yeah. Creepy. Mine did have, we all had numbers. Like you sure. had your badge number. Student number. It would yeah, be so much number. easier to just take one of these RFID chips and just like implant it under the student skin or something. Oh, they're, I'm sure they've been <laughs> thinking about that too. They, you know, they have to take baby steps to get there. Sure. And, and that's certainly something they're working towards. But now in this photograph of what is a, a St. Barnabas Catholic school in Toronto. There's children sitting in class, of course, all wearing masks, and this is clearly an elementary age class. They've got the plexiglass, like three-sided barriers on their desks. So there's the side of the desk that they sit at. I thought that was just a South Park joke. No. Classrooms are actually doing that? No, it's real. Yeah, every single desk has this on it. I love how they're doing everything they can to destroy the myth that kids need public school because of, you know, socialization. Hmm, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Now they can't even speak at lunch. Parents of the school children in Toronto are expressing concern after their children were asked. uh, They're not being asked uh, not to speak during lunch in an effort to curb transmission of COVID-19. Teresa Ostrom told CTV News Toronto that her child who attends a public school in Scarborough has not been or has been asked not to speak during the period in which they are unmasked and eating lunch. While the health and safety measure is meant to minimize aerosol transmission of the virus, some parents are concerned that the time usually meant for socialization is being replaced with screen time. Isn't it just meant for eating and like people are just normal and socialization happens? Yeah, Yeah, it's not meant for socialization. Now, silence. Now, I remember when I was in elementary school, they did have a thing where if they turned off the lights, the entire room was supposed to go silent. In the classroom, yes. Well, this is also true in the lunchroom. In the lunchroom. And it wasn't just random. It was like, you guys are getting too loud. Then the people patrolling Mm -hmm. couldn't calm us down or whatever. Then the lights went off. Everybody had to be silent. So this is just the next step of that. 
Now it's just, you just can't talk at all. <laughs> as soon as you enter the room, you can't talk, and I'm sure that you're not allowed to talk in the hallways. Because if you can't talk at lunch, why would they let you talk in the hallways well, or in, during the class? In the hallway, they're still wearing their masks, right? They're still wearing them during lunch, I guess, until they sit down at the table would be my guess. And that's why they can't talk to one another because they have their masks down because obviously they're eating. Right. That's, that's the, the argument the school is making. Mm-hmm. It's Lunch was the only time at school that I wasn't absolutely miserable and wanting to be anywhere else. Sure. Taking mm. this away from kids is not a good, it's not going to help them. It's horrible. In their development into healthy adults. She says she didn't find out about the policy until she had a chance to meet her child's teacher face to face. She said, my kid never mentioned it, so I was actually shocked. We were told that the kids were not permitted to speak while eating lunch because they removed their masks to eat. She says she feels so sad for the kids. They've missed out on so much and especially so much unstructured socialization, which is what chatting with friends during lunch is. So it just seemed like one more thing taken away from them. If she she feels so sorry for her kids, why is she not taking taking them out out of the government schools? Yeah, I don't know how easy that is to do in Canada. Is homeschooling an option there? You know, is, is it heavily regulated? That's a good Those question. Questions I don't, I don't the have answers. the answer to. Uh, if you're in Canada or the uh, whatever what is Toronto, is that uh, Ontario province, I think? If you're in Ontario province and you want to weigh in on that, you're welcome to join us here at 603-283-6160. The Toronto School Board spokes bureaucrat Ryan Bird told CTV News, that, quote, based on the advice of Toronto Public Health, we have required lunches to be brief and quiet. He oh, says, so they shortened lunch as well? Apparently. Uh-huh. Apparently. Uh, and it, so there's literally no reason for kids to want to be at school anymore. He says this guidance has been in place since September of 2020. So this has been like this. For over a year, and this mom just found out. And the fact that her kid didn't say anything about it to me is so weird. Like, I would be complaining about that to my mom. He must hate her and just, you know, not talk to her. Or that's just how obedient these kids have been trained to be. Like, it's just so normal to them that they just didn't even think to tell their parents until now. I think it's more more likely that they just almost never see their parents because they're just at home playing video games or watching television or something, and their parents are just, you know doing whatever it is parents do when they don't spend time with their children. So, let's see what else. Another TDSB parent said her child, who's currently in third grade at a different school, is often made to watch a movie during lunchtime so the kids aren't moving around and talking while eating. School board teacher asked not to be identified uh, told CTV Toronto that they, quote, often play a short educational TV show or learning video while kids eat their lunches. They don't feel hindered, and they know that we try not to talk when our masks are off for respect and safety of everyone. But what turned me on to this particular story is the post of an actual parent who was asked, is this true? And then spoke about the experience with the person that sits in the lunchroom or stands in the lunchroom called the lunch monitor. And we'll tell you what those experiences are like coming up here in moments. This is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and of course, you can bring up whatever's on your mind. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We're talking about the rules in Toronto schools, which appear to also apply perhaps to uh, private schools. But at the very least, certainly in... Then they're not private, right? 
Well, yeah. I mean, any what? any school that is obeying government mandates is not truly private. But uh, what That's we're talking stupid. about here is the mandate that students are no longer allowed to speak. And this isn't new. Apparently, this went into effect in September of 2020. They're not allowed to speak during lunch. I'm amazed that their parents could possibly not have heard about this because that that would have been my very first complaint when I got home that day. No doubt. Well, maybe it's just this one parent that heard about it and somehow she got in touch with this Toronto uh, news department or whatever and now the news is coming out. It's possible other parents heard about it, but it just never hit the news. True. And this one is actually being reported on. But the reason I found this story is because of a parent... Who was asked? Somebody said sent a, a question to this parent on Twitter. The, the parent is Julian at Julian Lewis twenty twelve is their username, and the person was asked, "Is this true?" And then the link to the the story in the news, and we'll tell you what this person's parent has to say about the kids uh, that they have in fourth grade in Toronto and the experience that they've had with the lunch monitor. That is coming up, but also want to let you know about Bitcoin dot com because. If you're interested in learning about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, get over to Bitcoin.com. You can start the process there by clicking Get Started at the top of the page, and then you'll find some videos, very informative. Uh, You can watch, at the very least, the first one, and that'll take you all of about three minutes of your time, and you will learn the basics and why cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash is so important and why it is that it's just taken off in such an amazing way in the last 13 years. Yeah, and uh, in the last month, it's up like 46 47%, something like that. It's, it's pretty it's crazy. Insane. Yes. Is it still high up? I haven't checked recently. I think it's been over 60 today. Yeah, I think it's uh, it, it, it dipped below 60 I believe, yesterday for a short time, and now it's just below $63,000 per Bitcoin. So go to Bitcoin.com, learn uh, the basics there. Or if you need the latest news headlines, they've got those too over at news.bitcoin.com. So from Julian Lewis 2012 on Twitter, he says, My son is nine years old and in grade four here in Toronto. And yes, he is told not to speak during lunch. But it's more frightening than that for him and his classmates. As though that weren't bad enough, right? Now you got to deal with whatever bureaucrat, whatever power freak bureaucrat is uh, tasked with enforcing this rule. Which is every bureaucrat. Mm-hmm. That's why they become bureaucrats. For the most part, that is true. The kids' silent lunches are just the tip of the iceberg for their experience. With the lunch monitor. And this is one of these multi-thread posts here, so he continues. Last month, our son broke down in tears at dinner, asking what a fourth wave was. When I asked why, he said the lunch monitor was yelling at kids at recess that we were in a fourth wave and that kids were going to create another lockdown if they got too close to each other. What a psychopath. Yeah. So they're not allowed... Hold on. Do they have to wear masks when they're out on the playground? Because that's outdoors, right? I believe he addresses that coming up here. Doesn't matter if you're in Australia. He says, I complained to the principal and said this was entirely not age appropriate. The principal said she would make sure he didn't use threats like these. But recently, my son and his friends have been telling me what this guy is still doing. Talking during lunch means detention. Getting out of your chair during lunch, for example, to throw something in the garbage, also means detention. When a kid physically contacts another kid at recess, even to brush sleeves, that's detention. Detention. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No touching. This is outdoors, mind you, he says. Detention these days means you sit with your back to the outside wall of the school, hugging your knees, six feet apart in either direction from the other kids in detention. So they're outside? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Isn't it cold? It's probably cold there right now. Yeah. And this was written on October 24th. So yesterday. And that's better for your health than touching the sleeve of another kid? If you approach a kid in detention to commiserate, that is grounds for your own detention. By the way, they do this in jail. Uh, now, I've n- never been to prison. Our uh, our co-host, Mark Edge, of course, spent eight or nine years in prison, and he will tell you that there's a lot of similarities to school. But in this particular case, uh, they when I was in jail for civil disobedience a decade ago here in Keene, I was in a, a cell block area where I was allowed out in population at the time. Nowadays, they keep me in 23 hours a day because I won't wear a mask due to a medical exemption. But at the do time, jails still have that policy here in New Hampshire? Unless the CDC changes its policy, the jails will not change their policy. Okay. So I don't expect to see that change at any point. I mean, the jails also have no motivation to because they don't, they don't care about No, the, they love to tell you yeah. what to do. So this is just another thing that they get to tell you. But the point I wanted to make was that I was in this you know pod or whatever, this cell block area, and I was available or I was able to leave my cell to go into population and, you know, play cards or whatever with the other guys that were out there. You can walk around. Right. That's a common thing that happens in jail because you need to get some sort of exercise. So yeah. when you're out in the day pod, it's a larger area than your cell. Obviously, you can walk around your cell, but you're constantly turning around, turning around here. You can you know walk around the whole day pod and get a nice little lap in. Uh, and so I'm walking around and they had somebody in what are called the monitoring cells. So when you got in trouble or you're suicidal or something like that, they would put you in one of these, especially the suicidal ones, they would get put in these monitoring cells. So they had this guy in a monitoring cell and he was like beckoning me. He wanted me to come over and talk to him. And I, you know, I kind of went over on one of my, my laps by and said something to him. And one of the more petty guards started bellowing at me. He's just yelling like, you got to get away from that door, or blah, blah, blah. You know, you're going to be locked down. So because the exact talking same thing. to him yeah. and being nice to him is going to make him more suicidal yeah. than like 24 <laughs> hours a day not talking to people. The, uh, the rule is he's not technically part of the block. Because he's there on suicide watch. He's so you're not the allowed to talk to him. Yeah. You're so you can to only talk. talk to people on your block? That's correct. Okay. Uh, so same thing. If you're not in detention, you know, you're not allowed to talk to the kids in detention. Can the kids in de- detention talk to each other? Probably not. Probably, yeah. I would assume not. I would love for someone to defend this absurdity, says the uh, poster here, on the basis of health when kids are terrified. He says also, Toronto has had fewer than 50 cases per day. Just cases, mind you. On the last two days in a city of 2.73 million people. Wow, that's a huge city. So you've got this, you know, some psycho bureaucrat yelling at fourth grade kids and younger, you know, about how they have to stay quiet and they can't Aww, get up from their he seat. He failed as a prison guard, didn't he? Yeah, he can't. He, yeah, <laughs> he uh, you can't get up for your, from your seat. I presume that means the only time you can throw away your tray, you know, the trash on your tray is at the very end of lunch. So you go in, you get your tray, you sit you sit quietly, you eat, and then you, when you leave, you can deposit the tray in the uh, requisite place. I but don't know that's... why it is, but it just seems like people who choose to work with kids are only people who hate kids. Either that or they're the ones who like them too much. Yeah. If you know that's I mean. worse than, you know, mealtime in jails, really. At least, at least in jail, you can still talk. To the yeah, well, I wonder. The with you, it makes least. me wonder what the jail policies are there in Toronto as well. Like Fair it point. may be as bad there, but that is a good, you know, generally a good point. But the saddest part about this thread is the parents' addendum. 
and I'll share that with you coming up here in a moment because it was it's bad so far. I mean, this is terrible what they're doing to these kids. Torturing them. Yeah. I mean, as though it weren't bad enough that you're stealing their faces from them and their ability to experience humans and their expressiveness, their nonverbal communications, which is so important, such an important part of communicating with other people. That's bad enough. It just keeps getting worse. When a lunar observatory detects a radio broadcast originating from Proxima Centauri, the nations of Earth discover their first contact with an alien race may also be their last. With the Proximans facing an extinction-level disaster, Earth must choose between sending a ship on a multi-year journey or allowing nature to take its course. Saving Proxima, a hard science fiction thriller by Travis S. Taylor and Les Johnson. From BaneBooks.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want here. The number is 603-283-6160. And how bad is it if you still have your kids in government school? How bad is it there? You want to tell your story. You're welcome to join us here. Although, you know, if you actually care about your kids, you should ought to, you know, you really ought to figure out a way to get them the hell out of there. I understand that it's, you know... A pain in the butt to figure out alternatives to... Well, get your state to do what New Hampshire did, Mm. which was take that money that they would otherwise spend on the public education for your kid and give it to you directly so you can choose how to educate your child. Or if you're a liberty-minded person, just migrate to New Hampshire and then you'll actually have a large homeschooling uh, you know, group that you can connect with. Because that's always the big excuse. So, and you, you touched on this earlier, Aria, is that whenever you bring up getting kids out of government school with somebody who supports them, they say, oh, well, it's all about socialization. Well, now you yeah. can't even talk at lunchtime. I was homeschooled kindergarten to third grade. And once I got into third grade, Everybody was always commenting that I was such a social butterfly. Like, everybody was always saying that about me. Like, my teacher, my parents. Meaning that you liked to socialize? That you weren't Just that I was, like, friends with everybody. Mm. I was just, like, really social as a third grader. Like, I was, you know, just out of apparently non-socialization land, and I was more social than the other kids. But did your uh, parents ever take you to, like, a homeschool event? No. Or, like, a field trip or something? My mom does not like making friends with other people, Mm. but I was always at church and then i always had siblings so you had opportunities and like played outside with people on the street and that's the thing this the homeschoolers understand that socializing is important so they make a point they seem to understand it better than non-homeschoolers understand they make a point to to do that to give their kids opportunities for that so what we're talking about here and i just want to wrap this up with the addendum because this is honestly the saddest part about this is this dad uh, has been posting about his son who is in fourth grade at a Toronto elementary school. He's being apparently he has not been allowed to speak at lunch for more than a year. And they uh, and he's saying this is true. You know, this is what the news media is reporting is true. They're not allowed to speak at lunch. They get detention if they get up from the lunch table to throw something away in the garbage. If he touches another kid at recess, he gets detention there. They're, the uh, hall monitor or the lunch monitor is incredibly tyrannical. But the worst part is this. He says, to those suggesting we pull my son out of school, that is the very last thing we will do. He has already gone through too much time away from friends and on screens. Instead, I'll advocate for his class, but absolutely no way are we pulling him out. You could just pull him out and then invite his friends 
over to your house right. to socialize with him, yeah. to hang out with him, because he's not getting that at school. Yeah, how is he even getting socialization or time with his friends at school? It doesn't sound like it. I, I don't understand why this person would post. I mean, it's just the the absurdity of that position of, oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. Look how bad it is. But no, no, we must stay. We must stay and fight. We must go down to the school board meetings and we must argue our case and try and spend hours and hours, thousands of hours of our lives to lobby these senseless bureaucrats into some semblance of sanity again. I mean, why? Exactly. You're making the same point I'm thinking of. It's just like every other person who thinks you can reform the system instead of realizing the system is the problem. Yeah, and it's as simple as getting out. And it sounds like it might be an option for him, right? Like he's saying he's not going to do that. So in theory, he should be able to do that. I so think do it just it. speaks to how literally insane this person is. He yeah. spends all this time describing how bad this situation is and then says, I'm not going to. He's been through enough. Right. So I'm going to leave him in this, in this bad torture situation. Camp. Let's leave the kid in the torture camp because at least then he's with his friends. Yes, because but he's been through enough, so right. let's leave him in the torture camp. I mean, how bad does it actually have to be? If they started waterboarding this kid... At least would, he'd be with his friends. Right, would the dad be like, well, you know, at least he's in the same room being tortured with his friends. I mean, we wouldn't want to have him sitting here at home by himself. That's so much worse. I mean, really, at what line does it have to cross... Before this guy is willing to pull his kid out of these schools. Because to me, like, that line was 20 years ago. It was definitely at the point where the guy was yelling at the kid saying, you're causing the fourth wave. (laughs) Yeah, and the kid came home terrified. Right. The kid was afraid that they were going to, by speaking at lunch, that they were going to cause the next wave of COVID and create a lockdown. That it would be their fault, is what they were told by the lunch monitor, that the lockdowns that would be coming would be because they spoke at lunch. Kids and who don't have COVID most likely and aren't at risk talking to each other. And this dad wants to keep his kid in this school. To me, that's the most tragic aspect of this. It is. It's insanity. You need to ask yourself this, uh, parents. What is it that your kids aren't telling you about? If you're still sending your kids to these government schools, what are you missing? What policies are being enforced with you have no knowledge of? You have no idea. And if they're anything like most parents, you ask your kid how their day was at school and they just go, fine. And that's it. I've done that. Yeah, I did that all all the time growing up. Never gave a real answer. And the real answer was sucked. Yeah, absolutely horrible. I would rather be doing anything else with my time. I did the same thing. And I think about this. I've been thinking about my elementary school experience a lot recently because some things have just been like popping up in my mind without me even meaning to remember them. But Anyways, like, I think that most kids just get home, they just forget about their day because, like, it's over and I get to climb my trees. Like, that's what I would do. I would go home and be like, throw my backpack on the floor and go outside and climb trees. And I just wasn't even thinking about everything that happened to me. So if Mm -hmm. my parents were like, what happened? I would just be like, well, you didn't remember. Yeah, literally, you don't remember. You don't remember blocking it out. The teachers, like, sitting there, I'll wait. And then they, you know, make you not talk for 10 minutes. And so or annoying, punishing an entire know. class for what, what one person do. does. Yeah. You don't you don't really remember that. It's like you suddenly forget because it's so normal. It's, well, yeah, but it's also like traumatic, right? Like that's yeah. why you put it out of your mind. You don't want that's not something that's worth remembering. Why would you want to, you know, engage in playing that back over and over again or I, storing it? Yeah, I don't remember much from school anyway, but mm-hmm. 
my, my my father was definitely never the type to be like, how was your day at school? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have, and even if he had, I wouldn't have given an honest answer. If and I, school sucked. It would be so, you would think that it was so normal because to, to kids, teachers are just like a, a given. Like you wouldn't be like, the teachers are doing this to me. You would be like, that's what teachers do. Why would I mention yeah. it? Like kind of without even thinking about it. Yeah, it's sick. So, I mean, that's the end of that story. Um, I just thought it was just absolutely sad. And I look, mean, this this father is as sick as the administration that he's yeah. criticizing. Like he can see the things that are wrong, but he's not willing to do anything about it. I mean, how? Well, he wants to sad. write a letter to the school board or something. Probably. I'm sorry, that doesn't count as doing something. It's like it's like these uh, libertarians on Twitter over the last few days. This guy uh, who's like a libertarian podcaster, his name's Reed Coverdale. Uh, he does a he's like a trucker and he does a podcast. He got banned off of Twitter. And, you know, he had, I don't know, 20,000 plus followers, maybe more than that. You know, he built a big following there and poof, gone. It's gone. Yep. Now, maybe they'll let him back. Maybe they won't. I don't know. It says suspended on, on his account. But all these libertarians are like writing posts, tagging Twitter support and begging for Twitter to let this guy off of his, his ban. And it's just like, guys. Spend your time building the alternatives. Or just join one of the alternatives that yeah. already exist. Yeah. Well, we've got one. It's social.freetalklive.com. We followed in the footsteps of Liberdon, of course, the uh, the first libertarian Mastodon server. These alternatives do exist. And if you don't like them, you can launch your own. Mastodon is a uh, decentralized, federated system that is open source and self-hosted. And it works very, very well. It basically completely apes what Twitter does, except without Twitter without having some sort of big tech platform hanging an axe over your head and threatening to destroy everything that you've created because they're not your followers. They're Twitter's followers, and they will take them away from you if they feel like it. Yeah, it happens with YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. It happens with all of these places all of the time, and there are decentralized alternatives where you don't have to risk losing your entire livelihood for some of these people at the whims of Jack Dorsey or Mark Zuckerberg. Was that the Reed Coverdale guys, like an only platform he's on slash like way he's making his money because well if he's only got 20,000 followers he's probably not making a lot of money Mm -hmm. through it i think he's on facebook as well but i I was looking to like try to find an email address for him because i wanted to invite him on lrn as uh, as one of the podcasts but couldn't find an email for him the only way fortunate yeah it's like the only way i could possibly reach him would have been to send him a message on twitter (laughs) and that's not (laughs) an option again another reason to not rely on these uh, these big tech platforms so anyway, more coming up here. Uh, Arya, you want to talk about Alec Baldwin. Apparently, he shot somebody in... He shot two people. Apparently, an accident. We'll talk about it coming up. More coming on on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Open phones here if you want to join in. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. Uh, you can bring up anything that you want. And we did mention just a moment ago the Free Talk Live social. I'll give you the address again here. It's social.freetalklive.com. We've got several hundred folks uh, that have registered for accounts on there, but I was actually just looking today at uh, some of the statistics because we're going to be doing some web uh, changes. Unfortunately, our, our web guru, systems admin, Michael Hampton, passed away a few weeks ago at uh, at this point, and we've been digging out because uh, he's a, he's got a huge set of shoes to fill, and it's no it's no easy thing to pick up the ball uh, from from Michael. He was a great guy. 
And uh, so we're going to have some downtime, I think, coming up on uh, on some of our servers on Wednesday in the overnight. So like Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. Okay. Look for some downtime there. But we, so we were just kind of like checking out some of the servers and uh, you know seeing how how big they are, how much uh, space they take up, and things like that. We got over 400 uh, users over on the Mastodon, but only a couple dozen are really active. So you know maybe some folks haven't come back. Come on back, check it out over at uh, social.freetalklive.com. The people that are there are definitely participating. We've got more, I think, action now than uh, than previously. Maybe you you know haven't been in several months. You might want to come back and take a look at social.freetalklive.com. Uh, so, Aria, you've been wanting to talk about Alec Baldwin. Now, this guy is basically a leftist. He's like a hard left yes. actor. Uh, he's very outspoken, you know, in favor of whatever socialism or communism or whatever brand of ism. Uh, that he's all about, but he he's definitely opinionated, and he's been very anti-gun, I believe, in some of his opinions in the past, and now That's all of correct. a sudden, he's uh, got a dead body on his hands. Yeah, it's difficult to summarize the entire thing, and it's not fair to say that I've been wanting about it. I've been sort of aware that he had shot someone, but I didn't pay any attention to it last night when an article happened to cross my field of vision. He shot a cinematographer to death, I believe. Yes, a camera person, I believe. Cin- well, is- the cinematographer is the person who decides the shots. Okay. And uh, you I know, thought it was the actual person holding the camera. In that a he small shot. production, it probably is uh, the, that person. In a larger production, they probably have people to hold the cameras. He actually shot two people, mm. but only one of them died. Oh, okay. That was That's funny. hard to do. Like, did he pull the trigger more than once? Uh, no, just one bullet. Wow. So, I, yeah. It was a real bullet? Because I heard it was a fake gun. No, it was a real gun and a real bullet. And I, I understand that, you know, real, real guns are commonly commonly used on sets because they're generally cheaper than fake guns and things like that. That's its mm. own issue. But they usually put, a, put blanks in these guns, right? Why put anything yeah, in Yeah, why them? put anything? You can add all of this in special effects. Yes. Yeah. So there was never any reason to use a blank in the first place. And mm. there's never, ever a reason that a live round should have been anywhere near this set. Yeah, I remember years ago. Do you remember the Crow? Yes. That movie, and they, somebody got killed on the set of the, like the yeah, star, the, the actor, Brandon uh, Lee, I think was his name, or something. Yeah, like Bruce that. Lee's son, or something. Yeah, right? yeah, he yeah. got killed in this sort the of a similar sort of, circumstance. It was almost where exactly the same. There was a blank, quote unquote, or a gun that was supposed to be firing blanks that I guess somebody put a real bullet in, and then he died as a result. But that was like in the late '90s, so it's it's been a couple decades. There aren't too many people that die on movie sets due to uh, mishandled firearms, but this is one of them, and this one's pretty big. It is, so... Go ahead. It almost sounds like he was, like, set up because who put a real bullet in it? Was he supposed to shoot directly at somebody in the scene? And I I guess I should let you read Uh, the story. I haven't read a whole lot about it, but I did read that he was allegedly pointing at the camera uh, at the time. He was apparently practicing for a a shot wherein he would then pull a gun, I presume, and point it at at the camera. Yes, he was practicing removing a revolver from its holder and aiming toward the camera during rehearsal for the movie. And that was when it was sounded like a whip and then a loud pop. In the newly released document obtained by the Los Angeles Times on Sunday night, Sousa said the weapon had been described to him as a cold gun, meaning that it didn't have any ammunition in it. Mm. And this is where I immediately disagree with the vast majority of libertarians who are weighing in on this saying, well, he broke the number one rule. He should have checked to see whether or not the gun was you know, loaded or actually cold. This is a Hollywood actor that's he, right. He he wouldn't know how 
yeah, to check the to see if moron. the gun was loaded. Yeah, he he has you know, as even though he's been probably held you know holding guns in multiple movies and TV shows in his long career. I mean, this guy's been acting for decades, right? So this wasn't the first time he had a gun in his hand. I mean, I don't deny that somebody who is a responsible person should say, hey, I maybe I should learn a thing or two about these things that could possibly kill someone and then go through the, the process of checking it, double checking it to make sure it is actually safe. That would be the sensible solution. But this guy is used to being handled. He's used to having a gun weapons expert, right? They've got a handler. And they had some of those on set. Right. So they've got a handler who's on set, whose job it is to make sure the weapon is safe for being used in this, you know, motion picture or whatever it is that he was doing. So this guy's probably used to just being handed a gun and told to point it somewhere. He just does what he's told. He has no thought. And on top of that, he was like completely told that it was cold. Like he probably was. Recently, I went to a gun store with one of one of our friends, and they made me hold a gun. You know, they didn't make me, but they're like, Bonnie, come hold this gun. And I was like, Can I pull the trigger? Is it? It's fine. You know. And then I pulled the trigger. If if would I be at fault for killing someone? I, I yes. don't know. Yes, yes, I think that you uh, you would be if you pointed that gun at somebody. Oh, and you I didn't point the it. Trigger. I shot it at the ground, but you know okay. it was empty. But you know, if everybody, you know, the gun uh, shop guy was like, "Yeah, it doesn't have a bullet in it. You can pull the trigger at the ground." I shot it and shrapnel killed somebody. Like, would that really be my fault? I don't know how to check a gun. I guess I'm an idiot. I, well, I don't know legally whether it would be your fault or not. And just because you don't know doesn't make you an idiot. It just means that you are inexperienced. And it the first should... thing someone should have done before they handed you that gun was show you how to check how to, to make check sure it. there wasn't yeah. a live chamber in it, I mm-hmm. would argue. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I, I'm not going to say that this guy should be off the hook because of, you know, he didn't know better necessarily. I also don't think he should necessarily face any criminal charges as far as his personal feeling of responsibility, it is absolutely his responsibility to know whether a gun is loaded or not. You can't just take somebody's word for it. Obviously, you well, can't take somebody's word for this. I think he should have been able to. The issue was that he wasn't paying people enough for this. Not, not like if he was playing a tech, a tech person and someone handed him a, a computer and to do a movie with a, a prop computer and said, mm-hmm. don't worry, this thing isn't live streaming you while you do nasty things or mm-hmm. whatever. I wouldn't expect him to have the knowledge to be able to verify that. That's what he hires people for. So if something happened as a result of him using that computer, I, I really don't think he would be personally responsible for it as much as the handler would have been. Mm. That said, Alec Baldwin did point the trigger and did point the gun at someone, pull the trigger and kill someone. Yeah. He is responsible for doing that, but the way I see it, his responsibility comes in not as the person who pulled the trigger, but in who created these circumstances that were so unsafe because they had, I think, three other live rounds fired on this set before this had even happened. He created... What? The, yes. On oh accident? That, that's part of the reason I wanted to talk about this. This, this was not a one-time thing. This happened multiple times on this one movie set. That's insane. While he's the producer or director or whatever, I don't remember exactly what role he was, he was the one in charge of making sure people were getting paid to make this stuff safe. Oh, really? Yes. So, so he, in theory, he hired the gunsmith or whoever it was at the... I think they call them armorers, armorer, but yes. yeah. And that's, that's why crazy. he's responsible, because he was the one who failed to hire people who were good enough and competent enough. Or failed to fire, because yeah. look, if yes. you... I, I mean, look, hey, mistakes can be made, 
I, I get that, right? Yes. One one misfire on a set, like, okay, it's time to talk to the armorer and find out, you know, what the hell happened. Sit down, go through the process. Why are there even, you know, why do you, what, you brought live ammunition onto this movie set? No, that's not, you know, leave that home, okay? We don't need that here. And then if it were to happen a second time, which is insane, that person should have been fired on the spot. So you would think so. Are you sure that the other times that this happened were all accidents? It wasn't like, oh, you're... There's we're never doing a, a scene. Reason. Well, it could be like we're doing a scene where we shoot into this. We've made sure this to is safe. To use a real, fu- uh, okay, you know, yeah, real, it, real ammo. Hmm, I'm trying to find the details now where it describes the other shootings. But yes, they were accidental. It was wow. not intentional. It was someone you know thought they were shooting a blank mm-hmm. or thought they were just pulling a trigger on a cold gun and a live round was in it. What? Also, to some extent, the armorer, I think, deserves some uh, responsibility for not teaching people about guns. I mean, I understand that, that these actors are probably just used to being handed a gun and told, okay, you can pull the trigger and then it goes bang. And But that's irresponsible on the part of the armorer. The armorer, if they're actually somebody who cares about weapons, should be teaching the basics of gun handling to every single person on the set that is going to be handling a gun. And the number one rule is you never point a gun at somebody, even if you think it's unloaded, ever. Well, for the movie, now, they kind of have to. In a movie, if you have to, you better double or triple check that thing to make sure that it isn't actually loaded before you do something like that. And so that is, I think, the responsibility of the, the professional to teach these people. More coming up. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved. To stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down and to put you in control of your own happiness so you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program. You're invited if you want to join us here. Of course, the number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We're talking about the Alec Baldwin uh, situation where apparently he fired a gun on set and it pierced two people's bodies. One of them died. As a result, which raises other questions. Now that I'm thinking, now that I'm thinking about, it, it's not just why was there a live round in there? Why wasn't the um, safety on? Oh, it was a revolver. Never mind. Sorry, oh, was stupid. it a revolver? Yes, I forgot that detail. Uh, okay, never mind. Disregard that question. Then, but the internet's already over what I just said. So, moving right along. Well, and there are still some questions. I mean. Uh, from what I heard, again, I don't know how true these reports are, but the report that I saw said he was practicing. He was practicing a, pulling it from its holster, A yes. scene in which he would pull the gun from its holster and point it at the, the camera. And again, the issue, I think, 
primarily lies with two people. One, the armorer, for not explaining to somebody that is... Whenever you give a gun to somebody, you got to tell them the basics. And the basis, one of the basic rules of holding a gun is you never point it at somebody. Now, as you say, Arya, it's a movie set, so it's part of the job to point it. You know, so you should at least be aware that you're breaking the primary rule of uh, of guns. And Secondly, this was a revolver, so it would have taken the armorer a whole five seconds to show Alec Baldwin how to open it and make sure there were no live yeah. rounds in it. Yeah, that's and one thing. Was he supposed to just be pulling it out of his holster and pointing it and like he accidentally pulled the trigger or was he supposed to be shooting it? That's the, the other thing I wanted to ask about. Yeah, because, because I, if you've got a revolver, okay, and I know, you know, a thing or two, I've shot a few guns in, in my time. Sure. Um, I've been to, the, to multiple gun ranges and I've fired a revolver. And I know that unless you pull that hammer back, and cock the hammer into a ready-to-fire position, you got to pull that trigger. Unless you do that, you got to pull that trigger all the way through a long trigger pull because when you pull a trigger of a revolver with the can- when the hammer's not cocked back, you are cocking the hammer back with part of that um, trigger pull, and then it, you know, fires forward. But if you, pull- if you pull the hammer back and cock the hammer back, then a light, a very light touch can... Trigger the, the fire. Okay, I was going to ask. I mean, well, that was basically the point I was going to bring up. I was going to say, I've never shot a revolver, but I know that the guns they have shot, I don't even know what they were, but they were very hard. To, you had to really try to pull them. And that probably was a revolver because most... No, it wasn't a revolver. It was no. long. Oh, a rifle. Okay. Well, like a semi-auto pistol or something like that, usually very, very short, just yeah. like a touch will send that that trigger, you know, send the gun uh, firing. And so he not only pointed a gun at somebody, which is, you know, rule number one, you're not supposed to do that. So, okay, you broke the first rule. The second rule is you sure as hell shouldn't pull the damn trigger when you point the gun at somebody. Yeah, it's unclear how he managed to... If you're a movie star. Pull the trigger. But I mean, it's well, sure. usually you put your finger in the tr- trigger guard and you apply pressure. That's I, usually I'm how it happens. I'm assuming he didn't mean to do it, though. Well, is then that... again, this is another rule, and you'll see the Hollywood people violate this rule all the time, which is one of the, the standard rules of holding a weapon is until you are ready to pull that trigger, you keep your finger outside of the trigger guard. Yeah. You point your finger forward. And then that way, when you're ready to fire, you just slip it into the trigger guard, and then you can pull the trigger. Oh, but yeah, true. You keep it outside of the trigger guard because, well, if it's inside the trigger guard, anything can happen to where you, you know, you accidentally, I don't know, you twitch or something like that, and yeah. then you blew your friend's head off or something like that. And it, again, you should never violate the number one rule because if you do accidentally twitch, then it'll be pointing somewhere else at, besides somebody's body, but... See, he, I for get some all of that. The I, damn just, trigger. I just don't think any of those are the issues. I, I don't think that Alex Baldwin holding a prop gun and wantonly waving it around the room, pulling the trigger, should have ever been possible, should have ever been capable of creating a dangerous situation. Right. And if the armorer had told him the basics, if he had been told the basics on any of his past films, he should have taken this thing seriously. And treated the gun as though it were loaded until he himself were able to verify it. That is absolutely his See, responsibility. That's the part I dispute. I, I, I think when he's, pl- when he's an actor on a set, he has people who are paid to make sure that the gun he's being handed isn't dangerous. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be able 
to trust that judgment and just wave it around the room, pulling the trigger if he wants. He should be 100% confident when the armorer hands him a prop gun that it's incapable of killing someone. Well, I get what you're saying, but no, you can't just take somebody else's word for it. You have to verify yourself. Well, I would do that, but I'm a gun person, right? He's not. He has people that... Then he shouldn't be handling firearms. If you can't... If you don't understand the basics about guns... And again, this is a failure of either every single armorer that's ever talked to this guy in three or four decades of making movies, or it's his fault for ignoring whatever it is. Because I presume somebody, at some point told him here alec here's what you do you just rack the slide back or in the case of a revolver you just click press this little button on the side and you can open the thing up make sure everything's okay or whatever i mean it would not take more than five minutes to explain this to this guy but if he just completely forgot it or put it out of his mind or was like well i don't care or what then it absolutely is his responsibility i agree he's responsible just not in the sense of being the person who physically pulled the trigger yeah, I got to disagree with you on that. Anytime somebody puts a gun into your hands, if they tell you it's unloaded, it is your responsibility to verify that that's true. Otherwise, I would, I, don't I, ever point it at somebody. I would ever. agree on 99.99% yeah. of circumstances, but when it's an actor being handed a prop, I, I, but I just But it's a see real it gun. It's yes. not a it's And not that's a prop. its own issue. Why is yeah. it a real yeah, gun? I was going to say, if if it is true that fake guns are just more expensive, that's like, that. I mean... You just gotta pay more money. You're making a movie. I, I don't. I've never heard that fake guns would be more expensive. That doesn't make any I sense. I can't imagine why they would. Be. Guns yeah, are incredibly expensive. Or just buy a real gun and take out the inside parts. Also, yeah. perfectly acceptable solution. They have airsoft guns. You know, like there are other alternatives. Even those, you sh- still shouldn't point at somebody. Uh, let's go to your calls and thoughts here. We got Domster. He's on the line in Ohio. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Domster, go ahead. Hey, guys. Um, first of all, just to add to what you said, I feel like that's the dictionary definition of a manslaughter, isn't it? It's not really intentional, per se, and it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't intentional. But it wasn't premeditated. Mm-hmm. still killed. Yeah, yeah I think you might be right about that. Yeah. Um, I called tonight about crypto. Um, I'm a probably novice to intermediate user of crypto. Mm-hmm. Um I heard maybe a few months ago on, on Free Talk Live, I think I heard Peakless mention about BitWage. Um, maybe like a month or so ago, I decided to give that a try. And um, I um, and what is it? So BitWage, it's a system where if you're paid, if you're in like a regular job, mm-hmm. you can set up your direct deposit um, to go to a a different bank account, and basically BitWage converts your salary directly to cryptocurrency. That's okay, cool. so it's like with so, a direct deposit form, usually have like three checking accounts you can put down so you, and you know separate how much you want going to each. So you could put like 3% going to this account or hmm. whatever, and every time you get paid, it would just automatically go to BitWage, and they would use that to buy cryptocurrency for you? And then it automatically goes into your like your Bitcoin wallet? Yeah, um, I mean, it's a freemium business model. I don't know if you know about that, but they have like a free level and then a premium level. Hmm. At the free level, you can choose between up to two crypto wallets. And so like I have one for BTC and one for BCH. Bitcoin um, Cash, okay. Um, I was kind of reluctant at first. Like I was like, oh my God, what if I get scammed? I haven't heard of this company before other than once. But um, I'm, I'm really impressed. And I don't think... 
I think at the base level, if you just have it sent to um, like Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash, mm-hmm. I think the exchange rate is like pretty dang close to the the market level. Okay, so they're not making a whole bunch of money on like an inflated exchange rate or something like that. Stand by, Domstra. I'm curious to hear more. Uh, I know you had more that you wanted to talk about when it comes to crypto. The number here is 603-283-6160. Plus, if you want to weigh in on Alec Baldwin... And just for the you know just for the hell of it, I did pull up some of the gun safety rules since I think more people should know these things. Uh, let's talk about those also when we get the chance. Your calls and thoughts are welcome. You can bring up whatever you want here on Free Talk Live six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. This is Free Talk Live. And you can bring up whatever you want here. The number is 603-283-6160. People all of a sudden started calling in. Uh, so we got some folks who want to talk about Alec Baldwin. Hopefully they're going to hang on the line. Of course, your calls and thoughts come first. We'll uh, allow you to bring up whatever's on your mind. So we actually started talking about crypto with Domster. We'll get back to that topic as well. And don't forget, you can join us online anytime over at freetalklive.com. And if you support what we do here on Free Talk Live, you can join the AMPS over at our Patreon. We just uh, kicked this thing off, I don't know, like a week ago maybe, not even quite a week ago, over at amps.freetalklive.com. That takes you right over to our Patreon page. And Alex Flores uh, is one of the folks who joined us over there on uh, Patreon. So thank you, Alex, for uh, contributing to the Free Talk Live Amps program. You get some perks and you help us Get this show out to more radio stations all around the country. We've got over 185 stations. I think we're currently at 186, coast to coast and beyond. So you can help us with that. And that's amps.freetalklive.com. You can use your PayPal or credit card or debit card to join our Patreon. That's amps.freetalklive.com. Back to Domster uh, on the line in Ohio. You were talking about a company called Bitwage, was it? Yep, that's correct. And they basically, you you fill out a direct deposit form with whatever corporation you work for. They send your paycheck to these people, and they send the Bitwage people. Then will send you uh, whatever configuration of cryptocurrency you're you're wanting. So you say you're splitting your paycheck into both Bitcoin BTC and Bitcoin Cash BCH, and you say it's been working now. How long you been at this? Um, so I just started it with my new job. Um, for this past pay cycle and it worked flawlessly. Hmm. Um, I also tried it in another job that I had and um, I had, I had some issues with it at first, but I got it worked out. Are you doing Um, 100% of your paycheck? No, I'm doing like 12%. Oh, I wanted to know about that. Do you have, can you just customize the amount that you can take in crypto? Because some people might not be able to even do 12, you know? You can, yeah, and um, that kind of leads me to another point I want to make. Um, I like, I mean, I like to give to charity every month. Like mm-hmm. that, that's important to me. Um, I just found out that um, maybe two months ago that the Salvation Army, on their national website, they accept cryptocurrency. Nice, donations. really. So yes, I made an effort uh, to give nice. to them exclusively in crypto. That's fantastic. Um, so this this Bitwage company, do they send the wallet? I mean, do they send the cryptocurrency directly to wallets you control, or are they custodial wallets where you have to go in once a month or whatever and withdraw to your own personal wallets? It's literally just like filling out another direct deposit form, only instead of entering a bank account and routing number, 
you'd enter your, your Bitcoin wallet address. Wow. Okay, and that's surprising. They redirect it. It's really cool. So uh, where do you determine the 12%? Is that something that you tell your company, only send 12% of my paycheck to Bitwage, or do you send it all to Bitwage, and then they forward along the other 88% uh, to your bank account, and then they send the rest, the 12% to the Bitcoin? How's that work? You can do either. Mm-hmm. I do. I tell my company to send 12% to Bitwage, and then the rest to my main bank account. That's how I choose to Got do it. it. That makes the most sense in that case. All right, cool, man. Anything else you want to share tonight? Yeah, um, well, I had a question, actually, with sure. crypto. Um, so I don't know if you guys listen to Dave Smith's Part of the Problem podcast. Um, I don't listen to any podcast. I just don't have time. Every now and then I'll hear it when it comes on LRN.FM. Like we've got a an LRN.FM feed going in the kitchen here at the studio. That's so, what I was going to say. I've heard know, it in there. I've definitely come across it. You still there? We just had a really weird noise on the line. Yeah. Okay. Well, he had a guest um, who talked about how he lives off crypto and he buys gift cards like for supermarkets off a website called BitRefill. Mm-hmm. Um so the reason I did this was because I wanted to do that, but it turns out that um, Walmart's not on there. Um, Kroger, which is like the, the dominant supermarket near where I live, they're on there, but um, they only take Bitcoin BTC. Mm. Do you guys know of any other website where... Yeah, try giftcard.bitcoin.com. It may be giftcards.bitcoin.com, but it's the same basic thing, and I'm pretty sure they have Walmart on there. I, and what's that Dash one? Dash just came out with something this year that I, if I had the legal ability to uh, to use, I would be testing this thing out because it really seems interesting. Uh, there have been all these websites forever that have done, we'll sell you all these Bit cards for Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or, you know, fill in the blank, whichever, you know, Bitcoin SV. And they're just a dime a dozen. There are a bunch of them out there. But the thing is, it's like, okay, you're just spending all this time buying a, uh, a gift card, but you don't get any, like, incentive to do it, just besides the fact to be able to say that, oh, I bought a gift card with my Bitcoin. Uh, ultimately, if you have a gift card, you're still spending dollars with the merchant. So it's not right. like they're getting your Bitcoin. Whoever it is that sold you the gift card online, they are. Um, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just like, you know, my time's valuable. I'm not going to spend it jumping around through buying gift cards. But Dash came out with something called Dash Direct. And they've teamed up with some company called CrayPay, like Cray Cray, you know? <laughs> okay. Uh, and, uh, and they made an app. So CrayPay has their own app that does this with like debit cards and credit cards, and they've got one that does it now with Dash, the cryptocurrency, where you actually get a discount when you buy a gift card for a bunch of these companies. Now, again, I don't know if Walmart is on there, but they just added eBay. So like there's a bunch of stuff on there and like Dunkin a lot donuts. of Yeah, there's a lot of major corporate uh places on there where you might save as much as 5 or 6%, maybe as little as like 3%. There's a range, it just depends on whatever their arrangement is with uh the company in question. But if you're actually going to save something, then to me it's like, okay, now this is actually worth looking into. Now there's a reason to uh to look into this. So that's one thing you should consider. Dash Direct, uh it's an app. And then uh, something else to consider is one of these crypto-backed debit cards. I know Bonnie has been having a good experience so far with her Uphold card. And uh, Uphold.com is one of these centralized uh, hosts for, for crypto. So when you deposit crypto with them, it's it's on their books, right? Like it's, right. it's in their system. You don't have control over it directly. It's not uh, – it's uh, custodial, as they say. But they offer a debit card. 
And the unique thing about their debit card is that it is denominated in the crypto of your choice. So they don't force you to to change your crypto into dollars and load the dollars onto the card. So I've I've used a few of these crypto debit cards over the years. I've used BitPay's, I've used crypto.com's, uh and BitPay's was by far the worst. It was just a debit card where you, you know, you told it, "Okay, send this amount of Bitcoin and ch- turn it into dollars." And then the card holds dollars on the card. Uh, and so, therefore, if you convert Bitcoin into dollars, and then two days later the price of Bitcoin shoots through the roof, you're still sitting there holding those crappy dollars. Whereas with Uphold's card, your wallet just holds whatever crypto you want it to sort of source from. And then every time you spend on the card, it sells the appropriate amount of Bitcoin or Dash or whatever it is, because you can use different ones, which right. is neat. It, sp- it spends just the exact amount just to make that purchase. But it's immediate. Like, I've never had an oh, yeah. issue like, oh, wait, 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 two minutes. It's not working. No, it's great. It's, like it's slick. And they give you just a 2%. Like a debit card. Yeah, and they give you a 2% back after 90 days uh, that's deposited directly to the same account. So, Very cool system. Yeah, in this in the crypto you spent. So if you're spending Bitcoin BTC, you get two percent back in Bitcoin BTC. If you're spending Dash, you get two percent back in Dash, and uh, it's pretty slick. So that one I recommend, Domster. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. And it's nice because you can switch between the wallets too. So if you want to use Dash for a while and then you want to change to Bitcoin BTC, you can do that too. More coming up. Free Talk Live. When Monster Hunter International discovers one of Isaac Newton's wardstones being auctioned off, they decide to steal it and use it to destroy the Chaos God once and for all. But a mysterious thief upends their plan, and it soon becomes a race against time as something much older and infinitely more evil awakens in the jungles of South America. Monster Hunter Bloodlines by New York Times bestselling author Larry Correa and Bane Books. Visit MonsterHunterNation.com for more. Yeah! Yep, it's Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want here. The number for you. Join us, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, you've got Ian, Bonnie, and Aria. And don't forget about Intercoin. We've told you about it. In the past, last year, we explained to you how you could uh, get in on a like high-level investor, which you had to be like one of those accredited investors and have a bunch of money in order to do that. Uh, that's because you know they have to follow these stupid SEC rules. But go to intercoin.org because they have now launched worldwide. And if there's a token you want to launch or an app you want to build, you can go to intercoin.org, enter your email, and the team will get in touch and learn about your needs. It helps businesses and organizations launch their own currency or raise money using their own token. And while you're there at intercoin.org, you can get some of the Intercoin investor tokens for yourself. It's starting to get easier, uh, and pretty much anybody can now get a hold of these things. So that's intercoin.org. We go to your phone calls and thoughts. Captain Mongo is on the line calling us from New Hampshire. He's out on the seacoast listening to WTSN. Go ahead, Captain. So my one of my points about... <clears throat> excuse me, is firearm safety is I've, I've taught my um, all of my children that are now adults and in their married and they have their own children now, um, the responsibility of handling firearms and handling firearms safely. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and what I've taught them is from when they were old enough to handle the firearm and not everyone 
handled the firearm at the exact same age. It was based on my understanding of their responsibility and, and acknowledgement of that. Sure. Is as soon as you pull the trigger, there is no such thing as I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah. So everybody that was involved in handling of that firearm, in, in my understanding, is responsible for this situation. It's You can point fingers and blame this person, blame that person. That's up to the judge and the lawyers and all that. But I think everybody that was involved in, in handling that firearm is responsible for, yeah, for the death. I agree. That's why I say, you know, the armorers, every single armorer that this guy has ever worked with, this Alec Baldwin, on a set... If if none of them ever took the time to explain to this guy how to check a gun to make sure that it you know wasn't loaded or that it, there wasn't actually a real uh, round in the uh, in the magazine or you know they didn't they didn't do their jobs if they didn't explain that to every single person they put a, the, a gun in somebody's hand and further it should be the responsibility of the individual to ask and to to know like hey couldn't this thing be dangerous. You know, it, maybe I should learn something about this crazy, dangerous tool that somebody just put in my hands and expect me to point at somebody. I mean, that seems incredibly irresponsible to me. And Alec Baldwin knew it was dangerous. I mean, he spent a lot, large part of his career campaigning against guns. Yeah. So, I mean, he knew they were dangerous. And Right. And as an actor, he lives in, in a world where reality is not real. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe he... In his arrogance, uh, didn't really maybe maybe didn't listen to the instruction. I, I don't know. I don't know the situation. I wasn't there, but he pulled the trigger, and bad things happened. And he's he is not the only one that's responsible. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, I mean. I'm not sure how responsible he is as the person pulling the trigger because he's probably been handed... By definition, pro- he's responsible if he pulled the damn trigger. And that- he wasn't the one who put a live round in it. He wasn't the one who was no given doubt. a gun and told that it, there wasn't live Which ammunition Which is why I, I say I don't know if he will be held legally responsible for it. So. I, I, I think he's responsible as the person who you know was in charge of the set and making sure that this sort of thing didn't happen. I think he's responsible as a human being for pulling a trigger and pointing a gun at another person. Period. I understand that. I forgot what I was actually prefacing to get to with what Captain? But the excuse of, I didn't know the gun was loaded, to me is is um, mule muffins. Yeah, that's just a that is a statement of irresponsibility to simply say, "Oh, whoops." Well, I, I recall what it was. Is that this has probably happened with Alec Baldwin hundreds, if not thousands, of times throughout his career, where he was handed a gun, told it wasn't loaded, pulled the trigger, and absolutely nothing happened. Now, right. I, I agree, it's tragic that something happened this time, but. That's totally outside of the realm of what he would consider to be normal or expected. Um, There was a similar incident that happened with um, Bruce Lee, I understand. His son, I think, Brandon uh, Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee. Yeah. Yeah, that was like 30 years ago. It was. Correct. And that sort of thing isn't common. No, definitely not. It's not super common, but there's no such thing as Gee, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Sure. And it was really common on this set. You One know, of their stunt guys had fired a prop gun a few uh, 
a week earlier than the shooting happened, and there were two live rounds that turned out it's to crazy. be in it. That's what I was about to bring up. It maybe if that didn't happen, I might be more convinced that it wasn't like it was less Alec Baldwin's fault. But the fact that it already happened two times at that point, you should be like, all right, third time we are not making this happen. You <laughs> right. know, that's I also mean, a good point. He yeah. should have. It that, should have been in his mind. That's all the reason he should have known to check whether or not the gun was. Well, empty. That's why I say it. A, a responsible person would check it, and he was how, not a responsible how person. Live rounds wind up in the vicinity of that firearm. That's exactly is, my question. Is gross negligence. Yeah, and for it, for it to happen more than once is I don't know what's worse than gross negligence, but whatever that whatever that is. Thank you, Captain, for the call tonight, man. I, I appreciate hearing from you out there. Uh, the number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. I wish the caller from K Talks would have uh, held on because he was going to argue that this was straight up murder. And I was wow. inter- I was interested to hear uh, what that was. So hopefully you can call back because he dropped off the line. Uh, the number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. But since I we're mean, talking, go ahead. Uh, what a way to cover up murder! If for some reason he wanted to kill this cinematographer. Mm. Well, oh, there are conspiracy well, theories, of, of course, course, that are linking her to the Clintons and some. Uh, yeah, some apparently she was the something. wife of a Clinton lawyer. Oh, the woman that, who died is uh, the the cinematographer was married to. One of the Clinton's lawyers. But see, they can't keep their conspiracy theory straight because there's also this conspiracy theory that her next movie was going to be about a Hollywood pedophilia ring. And that was why they shot her. So, I mean, it's just conspiracy theorists (laughs) doing what they do, as far as I can tell. This was a tragic accident that was caused by extreme negligence from the people who were running the set and extreme yeah. carelessness of the person who was handed a gun. All right, so everybody, I'm just going to give you a quick rundown here from armeddefense.org. There's different lists out there as far as gun safety is concerned, but a lot of it really boils down to four simple rules. Number one, treat every gun as if it is loaded. Even if you're absolutely certain a, go- a gun is unloaded, still follow these rules for safe gun handling. You want these rules to be natural habits. Holding yourself to them each and every time helps make them so. Number two, keep your gun pointed in a safe direction. Now, Bonnie, you were talking about that I had a, at a gun shop or something like that. Somebody handed you a gun, and you did this. You kept the gun pointed safely away from other human beings, even though you might have been told that it wasn't loaded. Accept the mindset to always keep your gun pointed in a direction that would safely stop the bullet should it discharge. Uh, if you're not on the firing line, your gun should stay holstered, muzzled down, cased, or locked open, and pointing down away from people. If you're on the firing line, your gun should stay pointed downrange at the bullet trap backstop at the end of the range. If you'd be cleaning or handling your unloaded gun at home, find a safe direction ahead of time. Bullets penetrate floors, ceilings, windows, and walls. Masonry, a full bookcase, full freezer, downward, or even a five-gallon bucket of sand may be good options. Number three, index your trigger finger until you are on target. I mentioned this one earlier. Uh, when you're holding a gun but not shooting, they're talking about at these events that they, they host at armeddefense.org, you'll hear us ask you to index your trigger finger. This means keep your trigger finger straight and raise it up to rest flat alongside the body of your gun. Whenever you're not on target and ready to fire, your trigger finger should always be outside the trigger guard and resting straight and flat alongside the body of your gun. And you watch movies, you see them screw this up all the time. There's so many times where actors are just like running around, waving a gun around with their fingers in the trigger guard, which means that any, you know, if it's a real gun, if there's a live round in there, any flex, accidental or not, you know, they, they fall, they drop the gun or whatever, they touch that trigger, it could go off. More coming up. 
It's Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. And Bonnie. And Aria. And, of course, you can take control of the airwaves. That is the point of the show here uh, so we've been talking about the Alec Baldwin situation. Of course, you can bring up anything if you want. But uh, Bonnie's going to tell us about Americans apparently actually are more interested now maybe in smaller government. I think there's a study that's been done, so we'll look at the details. Sounds like good news. It does sound like good news. We'll look at the uh, the details on that, and then if we get the chance, uh, Glenn Greenwald reporting on Congress uh, battering some of the, the tech was it Big Congress or was it just this one very unhappy, unpleasant woman? Uh, it was multiple unpleasant uh, people from okay. Congress who were badgering three big tech CEOs over censoring uh, people, making them trying to like get them to do more censoring, basically. We'll tell you more about that uh, if we get the chance. Your calls and thoughts, though, as we go to the phones and to the fun. He's Brian calling us from Bradford, New Hampshire, listening to WTPL. Uh, go ahead, Brian. Well, I've had been a firearms instructor for law enforcement for uh, many years, since 1971. Mm. And um, one of the first things I teach my people is every gun is loaded. Yes. You need to check it. There are two, basically two types of handguns single action and double action. Now, the double action is the perhaps more common where you only need to pull the trigger in order to activate the system. However, on the uh, set of a Western-type movie, generally they use single action revolvers which means you need to cock the hammer in order to fire it. Mm -hmm. You can pull on that trigger all day long, and nothing's going to happen until you cock the hammer back. Really? The trigger itself will not pull uh, back that hammer on that gun? Not on a single action. Mm, Okay. On on a double-action revolver, it will. Wow. I've never even seen a single-action revolver then in my time. I guess I've only fired the doubles. can you, if, if you, are you do you still uh, have your radio turned up? No. no, no, he turned it down earlier. I think we're just getting some I feedback. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so if if you have watched any uh, or most, I should say, uh, Western movies, they use single action revolvers, mm-hmm. and uh, with rare exception. They use double action, but those are antiques. At any rate, the the, the same situation applies. You you keep the gun pointed in a safe direction. You always check it to make sure it's loaded or unloaded. Now, wouldn't you agree, Brian, that the, uh, the armorer on the set, if they're not instructing these actors on gun safety, they are dropping their ball. They, they're dropping. They have. They're. They're failing at their responsibility as being good purveyors of uh, of guns. Don't you think? Uh, yes, I do. However, I've also worked with uh, people who are in the acting field, and they seem to have a lot of 
uh, oh, what do I want to say, um, arrogance. Mm. And they will listen with one ear and let it flow right out the other one. And you can teach and teach and teach if they don't want to listen. That's it about what matter. I would expect of From a Alec Hollywood Baldwin. actor. Yeah. I mean, uh, Alec Baldwin him. in particular. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, anything yeah. else you want to share with our audience tonight? No, I think that's about it. I appreciate the expertise. Thanks for listening out there in uh, in New Hampshire. Appreciate uh, the, it's it's interesting that the New Hampshire uh, callers tonight all were about the gun topic because I'm not surprised we, at all. We love our guns <laughs> here in New Hampshire, and a lot of these guys that you know were born and raised here, they grew up with them. Even the Democrats, a lot of them in New Hampshire, grew up with guns. And that's one of the reasons why New Hampshire is one of the freest places as far as gun gun freedom is concerned. I was hanging out with this French media team that, of course, was here, I think, Friday night. Yeah, they were here over the, over the weekend. And um, as we were walking through Keene, uh, I was shocked that no one was opening open carrying. And I made a remark about that. I was like, wait. You well, could... it is Keene. Yeah, but it's still not it happens, uncommon. It's probably not as common in Keene and some of the rest of New Hampshire. Uh, at any rate, I remarked about it. They're like, what, you, you, people can just carry guns around here? <laughs> I was like, yeah. He's like, I was like, yeah, oh, openly or concealed. He goes, what kind of permit do you have to have for that? I was like, dude, there's no there's no permit. <laughs> All you have to do is go to the gun, gun, gun store here and buy a gun. That's your permit. <laughs> and you do have to show them your license, but that's just to prove that you are a New Hampshire resident and are therefore not legally prohibited from having a firearm. Well, I actually, I'm sure somebody has said that in front of me before, but I didn't notice that 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 you didn't need to like to take a class and get a permit to wear to open carry. Yeah, in New Hampshire, there's no permit. There never was a permit for open carrying in New Hampshire. They did have a permit for concealed carry until 2017, and then they went to what's called constitutional carry where you don't have to have a permit even to conceal a gun in New Hampshire. Uh, this is my understanding. I'm not you know, giving legal advice, but that's my understanding of it. And they still have a permit, but it's completely optional. And what? it's one of those things that people, if you want to get it, it could benefit you if, say, you're going to, to take your gun to one of the other states that has what's called reciprocity, meaning that if you go from New Hampshire to another state that recognizes New Hampshire's permit and that state also has a gun carrying permit and you get stopped by a cop and you show them your New Hampshire permit, they won't arrest you for, you know, not, you know, not having a permit. Now, New Hampshire's permit is not uh, it's not reciprocal in all other states that have like Massachusetts. Permits. That That's probably true. <laughs> Um, some states don't even have, you know, permits that are easy to, uh, to attain. So you, you should definitely do your research on this topic if you're planning on getting into, uh, to guns and planning to carry them across uh, state lines. So keep that in mind. So the story ended with those French people wanting to find a gun range Sunday really? morning so that they could go and shoot some firearms. So I, I don't know if it actually happened, but I connected them with some people who would be able to help them facilitate that. Nice. Cause they're like, we're here in the U S let's do the american thing let's find some guns and shoot them i was like dude you can go to any gun range here and tell tell a random person you see hey i'm from france and i want to shoot a gun yeah and they're gonna help you (laughs) and you know what every one of those people that is helping you will likely take you through the four things you're not supposed to do the four rules about carrying a gun uh and how to do it safely as we were just going through i got to number three so i'm just going to recap here you number one treat every gun as if it's loaded even if you know it's not so even if you've checked the gun and made sure that there's no bullet in the you know magazine or in the chamber or anywhere you still don't point it at somebody 
And it's because it, people may think that this is silly, but it's not. It's to train yourself to never yeah. ever point the gun. It's deadly serious. Yes. It's not silly at all. Number two, keep your gun pointed in a safe direction, whether or not it is loaded. Keep your gun pointed in a safe direction. You don't want to do sweeping somebody, which is the idea of like crossing your gun over, like pull, moving it to where it just kind of like crosses through somebody else's body as you're taking it from one point to another. That's highly dangerous behavior. It's uncomfortable to have a gun pointed it at is. you. I can verify this. Yeah, that happened to me one time. Well, twice. And it's really scary. Like somebody who didn't know not to do that did it to me. I also did it to Ian way before Ian was not allowed to have guns around him. But yeah, I accidentally <laughs> did it to Ian. Number three, index your trigger finger until you're on target. Keep your trigger finger outside of the trigger guard until you're ready to fire, until you are ready to kill the thing that you are pointing at, because that's the only time you should ever point a gun at something, is if you intend to destroy it. Uh, Number four, be certain of your target and what's beyond it. This list from armeddefense.org. You are responsible for the entire path of every bullet you fire from your gun. If you hit your intended target, the bullet may still continue through. There are uh, live fire events at uh, armeddefense.org are conducted at locations with designed bullet trap backstops or berms of sand to help contain rounds to the intended range area. You're responsible for only aiming in directions where you can be assured the bullet will be safely stopped. So that's an important thing to to remember. I mean, if you, you know, if there is a reason to actually use a gun, like if there's some sort of dangerous situation with some crazed person who's you know got a gun and they're killing people or whatever, just remember if you shoot at that person, if there's an innocent person standing right behind them. Yeah, you you don't get you know well, held can't re- go through people yeah. as Alec Baldwin just learned. Yeah, because he hit two people. He did with this. So there must have been somebody like standing behind the cinematographer at the camera, and I didn't and they pay enough it. attention to the names to know yeah. whether or not the cinematographer was the one who got the bullet the second time or the first time. Well, she died, so yeah, it's a good question. Which one got it first? I, well, don't I mean, know. it could be that the first person had just like passed through their stomach, so didn't could hit be. any vital yeah. organs or something. Could be. So. Scary situation, and these simple rules would have prevented it. Yes. Uh, and and if, again, if these armorers never taught this guy, then shame on them. If he never listened, well, shame on him either way. You know, because it's still a huge responsibility to take one of these things in your hands. If you can't handle it, you shouldn't be uh, be holding the gun. All right. So more coming up here in moments. Bonnie, you got a story about Americans into smaller government. More of them apparently are preferring this idea than before. We'll talk about it coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com Free Talk Live. This 
This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the third hour of the program here with you in the studio tonight. It's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. Coming up, we'll talk about the uh, big tech CEO types, Google, Twitter, Facebook, all called together to be on the same conference call because now due to COVID, I guess they're not having these meetings in person. Uh, They're doing it all from Zoom or whatever. With a bunch of House committee people, the uh, the U.S. House of Representatives are demanding that these tech CEOs do more to crack down on speech on their platforms. And Glenn Greenwald uh, wrote up a report about it. He sat through. Can you imagine sitting through these things? No. He sat through the hours and sure. hours and hours. Who is Glenn Greenwald? He's a reporter, um, and he used to work for The Guardian back a decade ago. He was the guy who broke the Edward Snowden story way, way back in the day. And now he's doing his own thing because The Guardian, I think he left The Guardian for The Intercept, which he helped co-found uh, years ago, and then The Intercept turned against him, basically. Uh, you know, one of those things where the, the thing you create... You help found, and then you put a board of directors in charge of it, and it goes, uh, you know, completely astray from its original intentions. So he well, ended Google up. Google once promised not to be evil. That's, they did, uh, and so he ended up leaving the Intercept and going out and just kind of doing his own thing on a website called Substack. Uh, dot com. So I've got the post from Glenn Greenwald about that. But first, Bonnie, you had a story tonight about Americans. Tweaking in a different direction, a little bit towards smaller government, a larger number of Americans now than recently are now more in favor of smaller government, as I understand the story. Tell us more about it. Yes, it says, Americans now prefer smaller government, but may not get it. No matter from, probably won't get it. Reason? It's from reason.com. Okay. No matter what the public wants, crises typically leave the state more powerful. Americans who notice an increase in the size and intrusiveness of government since COVID-19 first appeared in headlines may wonder whether this will be a permanent condition. The short answer, probably. History suggests that we're unlikely to see government fully return to its pre-existing constraints, even after everybody agrees the pandemic has passed along with whatever debatable need there might have been for officials to expand their reach. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where, quote, everybody, as they say, agrees the pandemic has passed because these people in power have an interest in continuing the quote unquote pandemic so they can continue their various different crackdowns. Like, you know, in the first hour of the show, if you're just tuning in uh, in Toronto, they're making kids stay quiet during the government school lunches, even though in a city of 2.4 million there had only been two case or 50, 50 cases, cases in, in two days, days. yeah that's right. um yeah and that's just cases not deaths correct or yeah, even see, hospitalizations i see no evidence of a pandemic anywhere Either. that i look nope i see evidence of government intrusion and government oh, lockdowns yeah. and, and we're in new hampshire and it's not even as bad here as it is in, in a lot of these places new hampshire is relatively free compared to some of these places on the planet like in lithuania where you have to have a passport to go grocery shopping you have to have a, unless it's at like a tiny little store that's like less than a small number of square feet you can go into a few so local if it's shops small enough where people can't social distance yeah then you can go in there perfect yeah but any <laughs> other store there's mandated checks of ids and passports to get in you've got to you know you got to have an id and a passport to get into the library you got to have an id and a passport to get into any place the very few exception, it is incredibly restrictive. Look, I get having to show my ID to go into a bar. I don't like it, 
but I understand the reason for it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not going to fight that particular battle at this time. But if you want me to, if you want me to present my ID so that I can go into Burger King or Walmart, that's right. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Well, then you don't really have many other options because there's not, at least in Lithuania. There's not many other places you can go. And that's the point is that if people let it get to this point, it's never going back. If you want to prevent Lithuania where you live, you got to stop doing what they tell you. Because if you keep doing what they tell you, it's going to get to that point. They're just going to keep on piling on the regulations and piling on the mandates. So what did they find out? Well, this... uh study from Gallup says Americans have shifted back to favoring a more hands-off approach for government in addressing the nation's problems after a rare endorsement of a more active role last year. Currently, 52% say the government is doing too many things that should be left to individuals and businesses, while 43% want the government to do more to solve the country's problems. 52% is not enough. Mm -mm. No, but it's better than, you know, 43%. It is. But it just goes to show that we're not going to get along with these people. Yeah. You know, the, these these 43%, that's a lot of people out there that they don't think there's enough that's going on. They don't think the government is doing enough to people. They want more government. It's like those people who said Trump didn't do enough. And that's the only reason where we got into a pandemic. Trump didn't do enough. Mm. One person, he didn't do enough to solve our country's problems as if a whole country has the same problems yeah anyways in 2020 as politicians warned that we face death by this new disease unless we shuttered businesses sheltered indoors and avoided one another a rare majority of 54 percent thought government should take a on a more active role that was in 2020 The only other time Gallup had registered a popular preference for bigger government was 20 years ago, which is a hint at the dynamic that's at play 20 years ago. I think it's pretty obvious. When people are afraid, they demand bigger government because Mm. it makes them feel less afraid. Yeah. So whoever those cowards are that decide, you know, first they wanted smaller government and then, oh, something scary happens. So now they go and run to government and they say, okay, it's okay to get bigger. And then they change back later on. Those people are not our friends. No. Yep. And that is just like the quote that I quoted you from our friend Stu today that he quoted from somebody else. The key to happiness is freedom, and the key to freedom is courage. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because if you go to some sort of uh, human being who is just as fallible as you are and every other human being out there and you demand that they take care of you, there's a price that you have to pay for that. Yeah, and nothing's that is, free. That, yeah, and that is that that you've lost your uh, your own ability to make a choice at that point. If you've chosen a master, then master's going to do whatever they want, and you'll either go along with it or you'll be punished. In that case, and you know maybe that master didn't do exactly what you thought they were going to do. Well, that wasn't the deal. The deal wasn't that they only do the things that you want them to do. The deal was that person has power, and you want them to do something. So they're going to do whatever it is that they think they can get away with. And what are you going to do about it? You're going to As cry we're learning, about it? they're not going to do much about no. it. They're That's going right. to cry about it some, but they're going to ultimately comply. They're yeah. going to go to the PTO meetings and yeah. tell the teachers not to do that anymore when they can't tell them. Yep. That's what they're going to do. This, and it's not going to work. This it's says, too late. The last time that there was a pro-government response in a Gallup poll it came in weeks after the 9-11 terror attacks amid heightened concern about terrorism and a surge in trust in government 
Yeah. Sounds sounds exactly right. I mean, people become afraid and they they want to feel safe and secure again. It doesn't matter if the if the fear is founded, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if the belief that they are safe again is founded. As long as they feel it, that's that's all they need. Yeah. I mean, remember we talked about this stuff years after the uh the whole TSA thing. Remember the TSA didn't come into existence until after 9/11. And there were all these studies that showed that even from the TSA themselves, like secret numbers leaked out from their red team that showed that whenever they their own testing team took bomb making parts and guns and, you know, weapons through their checkpoints that they got through like 70 to 95 percent of the time, depending on, you know, whenever the tests were were done. Uh, it was clear that all of this was just security theater. In fact, that was a terminology that, that came about as a result of you know the TSA and all these government mandates. It was security theater. But yet when you talk to people about it, they still felt safer, even though they knew, even though you would tell them, oh, look, yeah, the TSA just failed 90% of the time on their, their own internal testing. Well, but I feel safer. Yeah, but why? Because it looks safer. <laughs> there's men with guns there, or I guess they don't have guns, all of them, but uh, there's men with badges. They look official. They're doing something. Yes, they're wasting taxpayer yeah. money and a massive amount of your time. Yeah, and now the same thing's happening. They're wasting a ton of money, sending billions of dollars to uh, pharmaceutical corporations and destroying freedoms all at the same time, all to make people feel, if some you know group of people feel like they're more safe. When the reality, of course, is it doesn't seem to matter. No, it doesn't seem to matter what the regulations are. The states that have less regulations versus more doesn't seem to make a difference as far as COVID infection. It's Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want here. Number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. We're talking about Americans. Apparently, 52% of them now feel like the government has gone too far. Yeah, some of them wanted the government to do a lot last year, but, whoa, they went too far. Now we need to go back to smaller government again. But these people don't understand. It doesn't work that way. No, once you get government power, they they don't just stop using it. Yeah, they don't. You create a new tax. They don't untax. They don't, you know, cut the tax. Unless it's New Hampshire, where they actually did cut a tax uh, earlier this year. They cut a few different taxes uh, in New Hampshire earlier this year. But that actually has to do more with the fact that there's a free state project and an ongoing migration of freedom-loving people coming here to New Hampshire than it does, you know, anything else. So uh, we're going to continue here. Bonnie has more to this story where Americans are now saying, whoa, too much government. Now we want smaller government. But again, it just doesn't work that way. Bonnie, what else did you want to share from Reason.com? Yeah, it's funny because the way the conversation went last segment uh, with you and Aria about after 9-11, people were scared and asked for more protection. So the government took more and more and created the TSA. That's where this goes next. It says, Mm -hmm. that surge in 2001 in trusting government resulted in the Patriot Act and the Transportation Security Administration, which is to say the public was quickly disabused of the notion that the state was worthy of such trust. Americans, you would think, but the average person today still doesn't realize how useless the TSA is or just how tedious it is to have to deal with them. Or how, you know, yeah, we just don't need that. Or how oppressive it is to have your body scanned by that thing. Just so you can travel somewhere. Yeah. Oh, I opt out every time. 
But then you have to get I'm patted get down. Felt, I'm going to get patted down anyway. So I, I so guess I will out. opt out from now on. Yeah. It makes it makes a little show for people like, you know, oh, my God. Oh, I put on a show. Doing? You know, but, but, you know, you're not just going through the normal motions. It's like, oh, somebody's doing something different. So the people behind you see you doing something unusual. And you know, maybe uh, I'm, I'm not of the belief that they're going to, like, wake up from their stupor or anything like that. But, I, you know, there's the chance. Honestly, sure, somebody's just going to be like, oh, this guy has some kind of medical issue and never think about it again. Could and be. I'm not going to miss my flight because they're like, I'm going to take forever to get somebody over here that can do it this. It usually doesn't take that long. I mean, it depends on the airport. And, and honestly, even if it's a busy checkpoint, I've seen it take long at some busy checkpoints, and I've seen it be, be incredibly short at busy checkpoints. It just depends on the bureaucrats. It's usually pretty short for me. Yeah. I have only been like patted down like twice. Once was my bra clip. I'm just like... You know it's my bra clip. And the other time I had like metal all over my pants. I was like, wow, why didn't I think about this? And the guy was like, yeah, don't wear them next time. And I was like, mm, I'm going to wear them every other time from now on. <laughs> when I went through Manchester, I was wearing a pair of trip pants. And um, the person who sent me through was like, well, you, your pants are holding up. Everyone I was like, no, I, I think you'll find that you're the one holding everyone up here. <laughs> yeah, you, it was you in Manchester. That? Yeah. You said that to him? Nice. Because yeah. you can look and see... What set it off, man? Yeah. There's clearly bits of metal hanging from the pants. Exactly. And all they did was touch my pants that had metal on them. I was like, as soon as it went off and he was saying there's an issue and I saw my picture that popped up mm-hmm. exactly where it was, I was like, oh, crap, it's these uh, beads on my pants. And he was just like, yeah, don't wear them next time. But, you know, still had to get... What did it accomplish for her to feel the beads? You can look at the beads. So, right. yeah, anyways. <laughs> I don't it's know. very stupid. It doesn't accomplish anything. But it makes the people watching feel safer. That's the whole thing. Security theater. Knowing that they they saw something out of place and they, they inspected it and touched yeah. it and made sure it was legit. And now we have pandemic theater. Yes, and, we do. Oh, you got to wear your mask. But then everybody touches them and then touches everything else without, you know, any kind of protocols. Joe Biden is under criticism today for coughing into his hand. And then shaking hands And then with shaking people. hands oh, with my someone. God. Yes. Wow. And and for not wearing his mask in Washington D.C. while walking mm. through a restaurant, not seated at a table, walking through the restaurant, breaking the law in Washington D.C. Mm. Which I, I, good for him for that, I guess. But still, <laughs> he's the one forcing yeah, these mandates on people. Yeah, there's two sets of of uh, people. There's the people who are the elites who don't have to wear the mask, and then all the servants who have to. And yes. you see that at like the Hollywood uh, galas and such. Um, when I was on a plane two days ago, there was a lady next to me who was clearly very afraid, like she was like looking forward and, you know, like breathing heavily through her mask. But I don't know if it was she was afraid of the planes or COVID or both, but she at one point or two points pulled down her mask, sneezed into some rag she was holding and then put her mask back up. And I was like disturbed. What's I, the point? I didn't even say like, bless you. I was just sitting there like, I hate this person. Well, I wouldn't want to sneeze into the mask that I was wearing. Yeah, just Either way, what's like- the difference? If you're sneezing into the mask you're wearing versus a rag that has been your sneeze rag. Yes, still- but see, the mask and is going to be it. staying on my face. With I wouldn't want to do either. Yeah. I would just not wear a mask and like sneeze into my hands or go wash them mm. or sneeze into my elbow. Mm-hmm. You know, If you sneeze into the air, that's rude. But if you have a rag in your lap the whole time that just has sneeze on it, I'm going to be really disgusted. Mm. It was gross. Also, when I was going through the TSA lines, I saw two disturbing signs. One said it had a guy like holding up his ID and it said, be your real ID self. And another one said, you are your ID. Disturbing. It is. 
But I mean, that's the TSA, right? They mm-hmm. they want that little government document showing you are who you say you are, and yep. you got to go through their theater, not to make anyone safer, but again, to make them feel safer. Precisely. Just like the vaccine doesn't do anything, the mask don't do anything, but it makes people feel safer. Yep, they're going to have to get a third vaccine soon, I'm sure. That's coming. Well, you can mix and match them as well That's now. right. That's approved. This says even after 9-11 and after the Patriot Act and after the TSA was created, Americans quickly reacquired a preference for a smaller government, and yet we're still stuck with a surveillance state and airport security theater. Right. Unfortunately, that's pretty typical. After each major crisis, the size of government, though smaller than during the crisis, remained larger than it would have uh, been had the pre-crisis rate of growth persisted during the interval occupied by the crisis. A lot of words to say that government gets bigger after a crisis than it would have otherwise. But it's always getting bigger. Yeah. But it gets bigger faster when people are afraid. Yeah. Yeah. It it takes a huge jump up. And that's why I said last year was, and it was, it was very apparent very quickly. It was like, oh my God, this really escalated quickly. And I don't mean like deaths or COVID. I mean the response, the governmental response, the increase in the power of the state, the grab for power was so huge. It was way bigger than 9-11. It's almost unbelievable in hindsight to think that the even here in New Hampshire, Sununu was like, no, all the bars are being closed. Yeah, Yeah, and there's a word for it. Here it says that Robert Higgs, um, author of Crisis and Leviathan, coined the term ratchet effect to describe the phenomenon of hard times promoting government growth. The ratchet effect is celebrated in some quarters by people who see opportunity to remake the world, which we're seeing. The World Economic Forum, that's what they are all about. The Great Reset. The Great Reset, and that's their belief is that this is the opportunity. And they've been promoting this thing for years. It's just that last year it became apparent that it was happening and that they are just cheering this thing on it just went by so fast that the idea of the government promoting a vaccine was like well that would be crazy end of the world something i will never live to see bs to you guys you i think it was literally just you two were on a show and i was in san antonio doing uber eats listening and you were saying what if uh pretty soon there's a vaccine and you got to take the vaccine to you know buy or sell and i was literally like oh my god that's so scary i'm freaking out right now like i don't even know what to do about that thought i'm just gonna you know not even think about it to it is actually happening and everybody's now just like normal about that's it literally happening in, in like a year yeah and not just lithuania it's new york city los angeles king county washington and according to one news report might be all of the state of new jersey coming soon do you feel like your country no longer holds your values Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want here. The number is 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. 603-283-6160. You can weigh in on any of the things we've discussed so far or bring up something completely different. Whatever happens to be on your mind. 
is up to you. And don't forget, you can follow us and watch us on the Odyssey platform, which is based on the library protocol, which is something you ought to know about if you care about internet freedom. Like fundamental freedoms to express yourself online, it's becoming more important than it ever has been with a crackdown on that freedom from a lot of these big tech platforms like YouTube and Google and uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, in fact, we can, if we get the chance, we'll talk about the, Congre- uh, the congressional hearing, which involved some of those big tech platforms. But if you want to get off of those platforms, check out Odyssey. It's actually run by Freedom Lovers. And again, it's based on Library, which is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, which we've been big fans of here on Free Talk Live for years uh, but they launched Odyssey, which is a video sharing website to compete with YouTube. They did that back in 2020. It's really taking off with, I think, over a million channels available there. Lots of content and also now live streaming. So that's where we're streaming the show live. It's our primary streaming uh, destination. You can go to video.freetalklive.com. You can follow the Free Talk Live channel there. You can watch us live. You can watch us later on. It is up to you. And if you want to go all in, download the desktop app at library.com. That's L-B-R-Y. Dot com And then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed it and keep it online forever. But at least you should go to video.freetalklive.com and follow us on the Odyssey platform. We appreciate that as we continue here. Of course, we'll take your calls and thoughts, but there's something in the news. Since we're talking about the, the, uh, the whole crackdown on freedom regarding COVID, I think we should talk a little bit about this story, which is very, very disturbing, about this Fauci character and what he did in North Africa. Now, remember, I heard a thing or two about this guy, and you know, I haven't been paying close attention to politics forever. Like, I don't care who all the players are. But apparently, this yeah. Fauci's been involved in the national federal government for a long time. In fact, going back to like the 1980s, at least during the whole AIDS uh, scare back then. Well, that's the case with most of them. I think, like Biden, he's yet he's another career politician. Yeah. I mean, they come and go from various government organizations, slowly trying to work their way up to a position of real power. And Fauci, as far as I can tell, he's got it. He's got it. Yeah. Uh, He's he's at the top. And based on this story, he is not someone who should ever be entrusted with any level of power. And yet there he is. And uh, this really shows that the, the types of people like him seek these things whereas like good doctors they just want to take care of their patients right like yeah, they there's don't a reason he did this in north africa and not in the united states let's talk about what this is so according to the story at thehill.com reputable you know source for things happening in washington dc a bipartisan letter is now demanding answers from the director of the national institute of allergy and infectious diseases and President Biden's chief medical advisor, and don't forget, he also was Trump's chief advisor and the same, you know, has not left his position, basically. The White Coat Waste Project, the nonprofit organization that first pointed out that U.S. taxpayers were being used to fund the controversial Wuhan Institute of Virology, have now turned its sights on Anthony Fauci on another animal testing related matter. He infected dozens of beagles with disease causing parasites to test an experimental drug on them. House members, most of whom are Republicans, want Fauci to explain himself in response to allegations brought on by the White Coat Waste Project that involves drugging the puppies. According to the project, the Food and Drug Administration does not require drugs to be tested on dogs, so the group is asking why the need for such testing. 
White Coat, Waste, White Coat Waste claims that 44 beagle puppies were used in Tunisia, North Africa, in a laboratory, and some of the dogs had their vocal cords removed, allegedly so scientists could work without the incessant barking. Leading the effort is uh, some representative uh, talking about how these are cruel. I realize a lot of people think that animal testing is necessary. I disagree entirely. If a drug is being developed to treat something in dogs, okay, tested on dogs yeah. but if it's being tested for humans if a drug is being created for human benefits then sorry humans have to take the hit on that one yeah you, find some volunteers yeah you get someone to volunteer for it because it's a drug for humans humans the dogs aren't going to benefit from this 44 dogs were being tortured horrifically so that humans could benefit and let, there is no part of that statement that i can support let me tell you more, sadly, about what exactly happened. Because you know that they used these dogs and they cut their vocal cords. But why did they cut their vocal cords? Well, maybe it's because they were drugged and then had their heads locked in mesh cages filled with hungry sand flies so the insects could eat the dogs alive. They also locked beagles alone in cages in the desert overnight for nine consecutive nights to use them as bait to attract infectious sand flies. That's just some of the most evil stuff I've heard. Yeah, it's absolutely horrifying. And all these politicians want is, oh, we want answers. You need to answer some questions. You know, as though that's not enough alone to say, holy crap, this guy's a psychopath. Fire him immediately. No, instead it's, no, we're just going to ask him some questions. We're going to well, show how concerned we are. That's at this point, you know, it depends on how much, whether or not this story really gets legs. The, the internet, Americans, they like dogs and they like cats. And oh, that's true. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it, was, uh, it wasn't until the soldiers started throwing puppies off of cliffs in Afghanistan uh, that people cared about, you know, what was happening in Afghanistan. If it, dropping bombs on innocent people, oh, that's no problem. That's what the military is supposed to do. But if you fling a puppy off a cliff, well, now the internet's upset. And so, same thing here. It's you know, screwed up, but... Right. Same thing here. There's all kinds of horrific things that these people are doing to human beings, but look at what they're doing to these puppies. But the most important takeaway, I think, from this is, if they're willing to do this to puppies, if they're willing to do this to dogs, I don't care what the age of the dog is, whether they're old or they're young or whatever, they're willing to torture animals. What are they willing to... What is Anthony Fauci? Because he was in charge of this. What is Anthony Fauci willing to do to humans? Yeah, human babies are ugly. Beagles are cute, so... And if you're laughing at Ian's comparison here, just remember we talked about the representative who sent Mark Zuckerberg a letter, the, the five Congress people, and how they just, they clearly consider themselves to be superior to everyone else. Like, they, mm -hmm. they legitimately would believe that they have the right, just by their own superiority, to do these things to other people because you're just an animal to them. That's right. Well, they've had they have various different disturbing things that they have been caught doing to people, whether it be MK Ultra experiments. What was that back in the 50s or 60s or something like that? Yeah, that was when the CIA was like torturing people, torturing people brainwashing them. them. Yes. Yep. Uh, forced drugging. Yep. Yep. Uh, that, let's see. Uh, there was, of course, the Tuskegee experiments against uh, black guys down in the the South. If oh I yes, where they told them they were treating their syphilis or whatever, but they mm -hmm. actually weren't. Yeah, so many different examples of this. Oh well, no, that was in the past. Now the government really cares about people, and they would be so respectful of you now. You know the. 
only reason I can see that somebody would think they were okay to do this to dogs is because they think that they're superior to dogs. And why do you think that you're superior to dogs? Oh, because you're more intelligent. I don't agree, but I, I just know that's what people who think that like humans are superior to other animals, that's how they think. Oh, we're more intelligent than these animals. So all it would take is for Anthony Fauci to think he is more intelligent than you to do this to you. Or do something harmful to you. Or test on a human next time or whatever. And whether or not humans are superior, I will say this. No beagle ever locked another animal's head in a cage so it could be eaten alive. Yeah, that's for sure. It's hard to really believe you're superior when you're doing stuff like that. It's hard for me to believe he's superior. Yeah. These doctors S stinks too, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, all these uh, people, we're just animals. You know, yeah. we're, we think we're so much more evolved than the rest of the animal kingdom and the reality is there's not that much of a difference between between us yeah we got we lucked out we evolved the opposable thumb so we can pick things up and dogs can't do that they can use you know their mouth for that and they still have feelings uh too and if you've never had an animal and i'm maybe uh fauci has never actually had an animal in his life and he's completely callous uh to the idea that they actually have feelings i don't know i'm not trying to make excuses for the guy but he's clearly a psychopath that's the kind of thing that some sick effers do and this is the top doctor in the government system, and he's he's the one coming up with a lot of these mandates and rules, and you shouldn't trust him. Do you, you feel know. safe yet? Yeah. There's more coming up here. Uh, 603-283-6160. You can join us on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, open phones if you want. You can join us on them. The number is 603-283-6160 at 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. Of course, uh, you can join us online anytime you want over at freetalklive.com. We do have our Matrix server, uh, which is a chat server, and it is uh, self-hosted, which means that we run the thing. So there's no big tech platform that's deciding whether or not you can participate. You can go over there over at chat.freetalklive.com. And you know what? I've, I've never had to ban anybody off of the uh, the Matrix server, which is which is really nice. We used to have all kinds of issues back when we ran a Discord, which is a centrally managed, centrally corporate controlled uh, system where you don't actually have any ownership over it whatsoever. And we were constantly having to worry about moderation and whatever here. No one can drop an axe on us, so... We just don't really care what you do for the most part. Even on Discord, we didn't really ban people. We just flagged them as toxic where they were locked into. (laughs) I I miss the toxic toxic user user room. room. No, it's still there. It was one of the first rooms that the users created as soon as we created the the Matrix. Because one of the nice things about the Matrix server is the users can create rooms. So Discord used to be completely top down. It was only only the rooms we made were the ones that were there. Whereas here, there's no limit. Like, you know... You can just make whatever room you want to. Call it whatever you want. You have the administrative control over that room. Do you want it to be public? Do you want it to be private? Do you want it to be encrypted? Do you want it to be unencrypted? You decide as the administrator of the rooms that you create. So yeah, the I think the very first room that was created outside of the official rooms on the server was the toxic user uh, room. 
I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. And it is I don't want to join it, but toxic. <laughs> so check it out. I f- I like fondly remembering the toxic user channel on Discord. Chat.freetalklive.com gets you to a page where it'll t- uh, take you through the steps you need to go through to get on the server. There are a few steps to get in it, but once you're there, it's pretty easy to uh, to utilize. So chat.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Pamela. She's on the line in New Hampshire. Pamela, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, well, we're preparing to go to trial uh, Wednesday for going to the playground with our children in April of 2020. Oh, wow. Okay, so I heard, I caught wind of this, I think, just within like the last 24 hours. I didn't even know what the status was of the other cases, uh, because for our listeners that maybe weren't around listening to the show back then, we reported on uh, a video that hit the internet, and I actually posted it over at freekeen.com, so if you want to, uh, listeners want to check this video out, it's pretty outrageous, uh, just go back to like April and, and look for, or just search for like playground arrest, and you'll see parents being threatened, actually the arrest doesn't happen in the in the video, just search for playground and COVID and it'll come up, but you'll see parents at a playground in Concord, all by themselves with their kids, just, you know, having a nice day at the playground and then the police get called and they show up and they threaten you guys and you got off the playground equipment when you were threatened by the police. And then like five or six months later, they put warrants out for your arrest. Did that pretty much sum it up? Yeah, well, they um, put it out two months after and we didn't find out until our local police officer stopped us while we were walking with our children and told us we had warrants out for our arrest. Wow. So Did they arrest you right there? No, he told us we needed to turn ourselves in. Hmm. Well, that was nice of him as far as like he could have yeah, just arrested you right in front of your kids there. Yeah, no, and he said that they had been watching us. And because there was one incident when Creepy. we pulled over right in front of, exactly. Um, and we, our kid was choking. So like they didn't want to come help us, but we didn't, <laughs> thankfully we didn't need it. Like we dealt with it. But yeah. like, so if he really was choking to death though, they didn't want to come help because we had warrants out and they didn't want to arrest us. Wow. And the charges, what were you hit with? So they originally tried for disorderly and criminal trespass, but the disorderly has been dropped. So now we're just facing criminal trespass. At a public park? At a public park, because it was caution taped off, because that's secure. Well, after caution tape isn't do not cross. Though. That's just caution. But wait a minute. Hold exactly. on. I, it, they told you to get off the equipment when the cops came and from what I saw in the video, everybody went outside that caution tape once the cops started threatening yep. people. Why haven't they and dropped this even, if, if Rochelle already... I don't know why they haven't dropped it. We filed several motions to dismiss, even since Rochelle's case, and they're still pressing it. So, Yeah, so for listeners uh, that maybe uh, hadn't seen, there was video that I recorded at Rochelle's trial, uh, I don't know, two months ago now, I think. It's been, it's been a little while, maybe early September, late August. August. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and they won that case. Like, it's very rare that you'll have a judge actually in a courtroom find somebody not guilty. But that actually happened in Rochelle's case. So she was there with you when all this went down. So your trials are happening, what, a couple days from now? Yeah, um, Wednesday, the 27th. And the funny thing is we actually complied quicker than Rochelle. So the defense's <laughs> case is that it took six, Rochelle six minutes to comply after giving an order, but they never give a lawful order until the end of the video. So yeah, so, really just- yeah, and normally my understanding, and I'm not an attorney, you know, this isn't legal advice, but my understanding of a trespass violation is you have to be 
told to leave a place by somebody with the authority to do so, right? So like some little kid can't just run up to you and tell you that you have to leave Walmart because they don't have the authority to do so. You have to hear it from you know a manager or something like that. Um, and in this case, the police would claim they were the people who have the authority to tell you to leave, and they did, and you did. So as long as you, uh, you know, as long as you're complying with the quote-unquote lawful order. Now, I would dispute whether it's lawful to kick somebody off of some playground equipment that's open to the public, but that's I a would whole definitely other dispute whether the police had the authority to say you can't be on this public property. I think the judge would find that the police did because that's just the way the system's going to operate. But because and you started to leave. They said what? They they already said that they did agree that the cops were giving a lawful order yeah. in the closing stuff of Rochelle's trial. That's right. So. Yeah, they did. Um, but we do plan on bringing it up again. Mm-hmm. So. And you're taking this uh, pro se. You don't have an attorney? No, we're defending ourselves. But right. we had our cases combined. So it's one trial for both of us. You and your husband? Yes. Okay. Um, wow. I mean, I wish I could go to this thing. Uh, unfortunately, I'm on house arrest and I have to ask for permission to uh, to leave my house a week in advance, basically. So if I'd had a little bit more notice, I, I probably could have gone. Um, but hopefully somebody will be there with a video camera and they will get footage of this because it'll be interesting to see if one, is it in front of the same judge? Do you know? Yeah, it is. There's both Edward and Kelly. Okay. That's promising. That's That's probably a good thing. Um, and so there's a good chance if it's in front of the same judge and the facts are relatively the same, if in, in fact, as you say, you left quicker than Rochelle did, I would say you probably are safely going to be found not guilty, but you never want to get cocky, right? Like you want to go in there and make the yeah, best, no. best case you we're can. We're definitely going in there prepared, but I mean, and we're basically copying what Rochelle's lawyer did and then adding some things that he was probably too scared to do because he works with these people all the time. So. Nice. Yeah, that is one of the fun parts about it. If you're going to have fun uh, in the courtroom, and it's hard, but one of the fun parts about doing a, ca- a case pro se is that you aren't an, an attorney. You didn't swear an oath to uphold the, the court and all of its rules because, remember, attorneys swear an oath to the court. That's actually a thing that they do when they become an attorney. They swear an oath to of allegiance to the court. They I didn't are know that. court officers, first and foremost, and they will try their best to help you within the strictures of the court rules. But as a pro se defendant, you did not agree to follow those rules. And so, therefore, you can have a wider range of things that you can ask. Uh, in you know, they, they treat you a little bit better as far as, you know, they know you're not a professional. So, usually you get a little bit of leeway where maybe an attorney wouldn't. And so, yeah, like you said, you're going to be able to ask some questions that that no attorney would uh, would dare bring up in court. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to how that'll pan out. What time Wednesday? 9 a.m. Oh, and that's in Concord. going to say something early. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will do um, my best. Yeah. Well, if you need a video camera, feel free to uh, to borrow this one. Um, Pamela, good luck. Is there anything else you want to share about the uh, the trial? Um, it's Wednesday the 27th at 9 a.m. at Concord District Court. Yeah, and it's it's outrageous, of course, what happened to you. I mean, in case it wasn't clear, uh, that's ridiculous. I mean, you're at a a playground. I don't care about, you know, COVID. Obviously, you were willing to take whatever risks there were. You wanted to bring your kids out of the house and enjoy a day on the playground. And obviously, no scared parents' kids were out on the playground. Right. So no one was in jeopardy. No one was at risk uh, whatsoever. We were all there willingly and having a good time until the cops crashed our party. Cops always ruining a good time. 
That's what they do. No. Thanks, Pamela. Keep <laughs> us informed. Uh, yeah. You know, feel free to call in later. You know, with your thoughts on the trial and and how it went, and that way our listeners will know. And I appreciate hearing from you yeah. tonight. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, and also the thing that you should do, just you know, unsolicited advice is try to get the word out sooner. You know, the the sooner you can get the word out about what's happening with your trials and that sort of thing. Like if you're in New Hampshire and anywhere where there's a large number of activists around who could, in theory, help, the sooner the better. Because obviously some people work and they have to plan for things, maybe take some time off or uh, to go to something like a 9 a.m. trial, for instance. So uh, out of time for tonight. You can join us online between now and tomorrow night over on our website over at freetalklive.com. And again, don't forget the AMPS program, our new Patreon. You can join that for as little as five bucks a month, amps.freetalklive.com. We will see you tomorrow night. Join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 27th through July 3rd for the 6th Annual ForkFest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out for the first time in 2021. ForkFest takes place the week after ForkFest, but ForkFest is decentralized which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 27th through July 3rd. There's no better place to celebrate Independence Day than around other freedom-loving activists in the Shire. You can find out more at the unofficial website, forkfest.party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest Forum. You can find links to those at forkfest.party. We hope to see you there. forkfest.party.